welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, and we have a special guest with us today, Apocalypse Nerd. Apocalypse Nerd, could you introduce yourselves to our guests? Howdy, yes, of course. Uh, I, you know, go by the handle of the Apocalypse Nerd. Uh, I'm from a, a, another podcast called uh, Podcast at Ground Zero. And uh, what we do on that podcast is we talk about the post-apocalyptic genre. Uh, we talk about movies, books, role-playing games, television, whatever related to that. Uh, and we do actually wind up talking a lot about games, especially old games, because uh, I am the world's uh, biggest Gamma World fan. So I have like every edition and everything in print, and I just love Gamma World. So that's kind of old school, so it kind of fits. Yeah, my post-apocalyptic world, I think I've mentioned a few times that I've been playing since about 1990, has been Rifts. I played a lot of it in the 90s. And uh, we're actually running a campaign. Now, I hadn't played it for probably 20, uh, almost 20 years. I hadn't run it. So I'm, I've been getting back into that. So I'm a fan. I love the Mutant Year Zero, which is kind of yes a new version of the old Mutant. And there's that kind of branches off into a lot of different versions of Mutant as well. So I get into those. Those are pretty cool. And I love that Year Zero system. But we're here to talk about the OSR yes. today. I got my copies of Knock finally in the mail. Yeah, I saw your <laughs> post on that. Uh... I've heard of it, but I'm not familiar with it, so I guess I'll know, learn a little bit about it right now. Well, it's, it's, it calls itself an old-school gaming bric-a-brac, and I don't want to get too far into it in this episode because I think that uh, John and I are going to go over reviewing some of it. But reading through this, I just started breezing through it. I went down the first hundred or so pages like in no time. And reading through this got me really... I had been thinking about talking about what is OSR, what is the old-school renaissance, and uh, I thought we'd try to address that here on the show. And I, I'm not just going to do it this one time. I'd like to talk to a lot of people eventually about what their take is and their feelings. Oh, yeah. You want to you want to get like a, you know, a sense of the community, like like what different people think. And haven't you uh, talked about OSR a little bit? You've talked about it a little bit before, I think. I, I mentioned it because I'm really into OSR games. That's like 90% of what we do with our gaming. We're really into retro clones. So like we, I played a lot of not D and D for years. And then somewhere in the two thousands, I started leaning heavy into a D and D after third edition came out, I ran one third edition campaign in the year 2000 and went right back to a D and D. And I kind of eventually out, like I didn't pay much attention to what was going on. Here's the thing. I didn't go around game stores and comic stores for years because game stories and comic stores were full of some like really bad elements at the time. And I just didn't want to deal with it. There was so much like racism, homophobia, sexism, misogyny and stuff like that, that I kind of disengaged from the whole scene for well, a while. The thing while. is it has, it's changed, but not enough. Um, yeah. And I, and I, and I didn't really start. I mean, I started with D and D the first time I played D and D was the Holmes basic set, um, which was, you know, came out in 77. I was at my grandparents, I played it with a neighbor kid and my two cousins in 19, summer of 1980. Then uh, maybe a year and a half later, I started buying the books. And then I started buying a lot of non-D&D stuff. Top Secret, Gamma World, uh, Boot Hill. And I played a lot of that first. I didn't play D&D again until like, uh, like 83, 84 maybe. But I was playing Gamma World, Merc from Fantasy Games Unlimited. I played a lot of other stuff. But then I jumped a lot into D&D. Still played a lot of D and D up until the '90s, and I started doing stuff like, like, um, like Shadowrun, uh, Vampire the Masquerade when those came out. But I still played a lot of D and D along with that. Yeah. So 
I had a weird my intro when I started playing. I didn't. I wasn't playing right. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I, the I game still don't. that we started with we started with was Doctor Who from Fossa. I got this aged old Doctor Who Fossa role playing box from my show. It's pretty tore up. But what we would do is we would we were we had I was it was late eighties I want to say I was born in seventy eight so it's probably we were in junior high and we started playing probably around eighty eight I want to say it was. And I went to the store and bought that. And we would roll up character sheets for our action figures, me and my buddy. And we would make up our own characters and try to come up with an action figure to represent them. We'd have, both have like a team of a few and we would use the sheets to interact and try to resolve the conflicts that were going on with our action figures. And that's really where I first started getting into the game stuff and buying more. One of our buddies who was really into Robotech, he kind of came along and said, yeah, you're not doing this right here, let me DM for you or GM for you and show you how it's supposed to go. <laughs> so taught me. Something. I remember the Robotech. And and here's the thing with, you know, that always kind of gets me. Everybody's like, oh, it's old school D&D. To me, the older stuff is just D&D to me because that's like first edition and even into second edition is what I played and heavily played. Uh, so to me, that, to me, that is D&D, you know, I tried third edition when it came out. We played it for about a year, but we just it, we, it just didn't drive with us. We stopped playing. I never played fourth. Don't play fifth. And even when I've, I've played D&D in the last 20 years, it's all been basically a variant of uh, second edition. So to me, that's D&D. It's not necessarily old school. It's a, That's just D&D. Yeah. I was, well, when I started picking up books that were labeled OSR in the sometime in the... It wasn't until the 2010s, I don't think, I started picking up some of those books. I don't think they were even around. There was I, I wasn't seeing a lot around before then, uh, but I was picking up mostly because hey, look, these things are compatible with my AD and D that I've been running. And had I not been so broke at the time raising kids, I may have gone on to newer editions yeah. and bought them. But at the time, the AD and D books were used dirt cheap. I already had a ton of AD and D books. I could pick up more stuff than fill out my collection and just keep on playing. Yeah, I I had everything I needed. I've only really been aware. I mean, back in 2010, I guess I'd kind of maybe heard of OSR, but I didn't really know much about it. It didn't pay much pay much mind. So it's only in the last few years that I've really been like, ah, OSR, and it really started to st stand out to me because so many people were starting to put out so much content. Maybe in the last what, maybe four or five years, a lot of it, a know, lot. people putting a lot of stuff out, and people have been putting a lot of good stuff out, a lot of very good. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, and that's the thing within this osr community i don't see it necessarily as going back to an old style of play that i used to play because like i said i played doctor who and science fiction and superhero games in the beginning i didn't touch dungeons and dragons the first time i rolled up a character for dungeons and dragons it was second edition and it was 1993 i had moved from cleveland to cincinnati met some guys who played played some of the games i normally played and then he was like oh, i got dnd &D, let's play that i've never played dnd and he introduced me to that. So I didn't uh, grow up with this, with BX and stuff like that. That's just, at that time in the early nineties, there was like the rule cyclopedia. I can't remember what year that came out, but basic wasn't a thing we played. We were big boys. We played advanced. You know what? <laughs> I had I had the same issue too, because I had gotten my uh, first basic box set, which was the, um, uh, what is it? Mo uh, Moldave, uh, right? Um, no, um you know, I so that I had John who comes on here and a few others that have been on here, like uh, Leonard 
who who's down in Florida, those guys can answer that question better than I am because I do not know the difference between those basic well, it's, sets, and I keep on getting well. Confused. You have well, you, well, you have Holmes, <laughs> which came out, with, which was the blue box cover with the dragon, with the wizard and the fighter coming in. That was seventy-seven. Then in eighty-one, you had the basic and expert sets with the Earl Otis covers, which was one uh, one uh, Cook Cook uh, did this did the expert, and I think it was Moldave did uh, first did the uh, the basic set, and then in eighty-three. Met, uh, Frank Metzner came along, and the red box, everybody knows, he kind of revised yeah. the X, and that's when they came out with the red box, the blue box, and they came out with the champions, the immortals, and, and all that stuff. Um, I picked... I remember those most, because uh, those were out on the shelf when I was, you know, picking stuff up. I remember those more, the Beckman. Yeah, I, uh, I had originally gotten the, um, the first basic box set, you know, in 81, uh, never played it because then, like maybe within six months, because I, I was in middle school, then I started picking up all the um, uh, all the AD and D books, Player's Handbook, Monster Manual, DMG, and uh, but again, I was buying this stuff, wasn't playing it. So, but then when I started playing, was I met some guys in high school who played, and I just played uh, uh, advanced, you know, it, uh, you know, because then I was like, yes. oh, I was like that too. Oh, basic, that's for babies, you know. <laughs> Well, I think that the big thing within the OSR right now, I've noticed being old school essentials, people really are he- are headed over to and gravitating towards BX more than the A, B, and yes. D. And I think that that's the strongest area. I think that's because it is more simplistic and streamlined. People talk about old styles of play, but like I said, I didn't play those ways. I was very story-driven superhero games originally. So I discovered new things in D&D by looking at older games and how they were done and said, oh, wow, there's something here that I've never done in a game that's really cool. But at the same time, I started seeing a lot of people come up with things that I had never seen in game, period, within OSR and going back to these old games, coming up with some real innovative stuff you see popping up out of this realm, like Into the Odd and and all these different hacks, like Black Hack and White Hack that people are putting out. There's a lot of new stuff happening within that world. So, what is the OSR is the question. Well, I mean, a lot of people say it's, you know, some people say it's the mechanics. Some people say it's the play style. It's, some people say it's a mindset. It's, it's, it, it's tough because I guess when you, say old, uh, when you say old school, you know, role playing, you know, yeah, definitely a, a simpler mechanics is definitely a, is a factor because, uh, you know, it's, you know, what they say, say is more deadly. Because uh, newer systems, I don't think, are very prone to be as deadly. But again, people will argue you can make of it what you want. But as the rules are written, as the system is written, you know, it's very, like, it's very superhero, very characters don't die. So you have that aspect. But then there's also the playstyle aspect where, like, I hear a lot of people talk about is, you know, in the old school styles, you had to think more for yourself. Uh, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, my character has find everything i roll that yay i make it you know you don't have you know a lot of that where it says roll and you know everything happens for you actually you saw a lot of times when we played you still had a roll but you had to explain what you're doing and come up with the good ideas you know so to me that's more of the mindset of like more i guess more dyi it's like like you as the as the player not your character have to come up with the ideas and have to tell the, what you're doing, telling the story. Like, well, how are you finding that secret door? What are you doing? You're not just rolling a die. You're looking under the carpet. You're looking behind the painting. You have to describe what you're doing, not just have, because I think a lot of new systems have things like passive this, like, oh, I walk in the room and I discover everything. To me, 
I don't yeah. go for that. And that's it's by the roll of the dice. And like with the newer system, you roll a die and then it happens. Whereas, you know, there's a different play style where we're we're kind of walking our characters through things, doing the R-O-L-E instead of the R-O-L-L play yes. in order to, to discover. And I don't think that, you know, I don't think a lot of people get that because I think they see it as the other way around. You say, well, this is a deadlier campaign. Oh, it's just rolling and fighting. No, I'm trying to avoid fights when I'm running these games. That's why it's deadly. Like you don't fight everything. You got to come up with alternative solutions and be creative. Did, older systems also didn't have the, um, the game balance that they've worked into the systems now. Like, oh, like they try to balance everything out so everything's too even, and that's not fun, you know, because you know it's balanced to make it even, and you're and, and inevitably the heroes are going to win. It's like I need to go into a situation where I'm a sec, I'm a second level fighter, and oh look, there there's three hill giants. You know what? I'm not going to go toe to toe with them. I'm going to find another solution. Because it's not balanced, and it shouldn't be because life isn't balanced. Yeah. Uh, now, I think there's two different ways that people approach video games, or video games, <laughs> role-playing games. I think there's two different ways that people often approach role-playing games. And this is either as movies or as video games. And I don't approach them as – I feel that a lot of times with older games, it's not approaching them as either. It's approaching them as a role-playing game, as its own entity, if that makes sense. With the video games, you're very much following a formula there. And with the movies, it's very railroad. The DM is directing his film and you're just kind of observing it. Whereas there's another style of play that I have been discovering that gives players more autonomy and more say in everything. And it's kind of structured around this way, these different elements of the game that change it that way. Does that make sense? Would you say I'm off? No, I think you're I think you're onto something. Cause then also because you're talking about movies and video games, which I think, not to sound like a fussy old person, but um, <laughs> no, but, but no, but I think, and, and, and listen, hear me out here. Um, I think modern games, starting with later editions of third, you know, not necessarily when third came out in 2000, but as it went on, I think, like, especially with D&D, the systems got more heavily influenced by video games because, like, with fourth edition, they were trying to get the WoW crowd, so they were trying to make it more video game-like to get that because... It's a different generation, okay? I am not the demographic of Dungeons & Dragons right now. I am not a 14-year-old young adult playing, you know, they're still targeting towards the young adults. When I was a young adult, yeah, that's what they were targeting towards me. But the, but it's it's a little bit different world. There's more video games, there's more, you know, whatever, it's action movies and anime. So it's a different demographic. It's, you know, they're definitely focusing more towards what's what's common, what's popular right now. They're, they're not going to say, well, we're going to make it like we made it 40 years ago. That doesn't make any sense as a business, you know? Yeah, even the genre of fantasy has evolved a lot in 40 years. And that shows up in the game. And, you know, I may have been into some fan... You know, the first fantasy stuff I remember was was Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. My mother got me on those books young. And I started reading more classic fantasy stuff. A lot of things that have come out since then was not a thing in my view when I was younger growing up. The anime and stuff like that, I was... I saw some early anime when it was, you know, but it was never a big thing I got into. So there's a lot of ways that fantasy has really changed. A lot of new things has come out. It only makes sense that it would be present in the modern. And there's games. nothing wrong with any of that. That's just what uh, things have evolved to. And that's, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's like they're catering to, because the, you know, it's a different world than, because I'm a little bit older. So what, my world's a little bit different, just a little bit different than yours, but then yours and mine are, are way different than somebody who was born 
in the 2000s you know because what what's popular what's what's popular in culture and films and movies it's it's different and and that's that's just what happens that's that's just what happens and 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 something you said about um uh, with the gaming and movies like movies and video games um i always saw it as more of a book that's how this i always I always explained to people like what well, they're like. What is Dungeons and Dragons? What is role playing? I said. I said. Figure it is that you're reading a book, okay, and it's telling a story, okay. Your dungeon master's uh, orchestrating the story, and you are the characters in the story, okay. So like whatever your main uh, protagonist is in the book, that's you. You are creating that story. That's how I always kind of explained it to people. That's more like a book, an evolving book and story. Yeah, that's a good way to explain it. And and there's there's a lot. So I'm going to go back to what the OSR is. And, and, and we're telling stories often that when I run I in this style, I'm not trying to come up with the story ahead of time. It's a collaborative thing. And I'm wanting the players to take the reins. Like one of the things I just made a post today on our blog about how I've changed the way I do character creation. It used to be everybody goes into a bar and you meet or the tavern and you meet. The way we've been doing it for quite a few years, I get everybody together. And I said, okay, tell me how you know each other. Tell me how you're related. You're traveling. And what is your purpose? Why are you traveling? What is your goal? Are you brigands? Are you revolutionaries? Are you trying to be heroes? Like the current game I'm running, they are political revolutionaries who are trying to disguise themselves as a traveling circus. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. So the first task they had is assembling the traveling circus. And that's been... They've created their goal, and we can center the campaign around that. They get a lot of power in that. Oh, that's that's very that's very cool. Yeah, and the way I like to run is to try to make sure that the players have a lot more say in things. Like when it comes to character sheets in newer games, you talked about this a minute ago. Like third edition and stuff, you started getting all the skills and you started getting all the feats and stuff like that, and they are very restrictive. People focus on what their character sheet says on what they can do instead of coming up with cool things. It's kind of like the old argument of why the thief shouldn't be a character class because everybody should be able to try out the thief skills things and you should be able to all be able to do those skills. Uh, I don't agree with that. No, I'm not. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily <laughs> agree with that because, you know, it's a specialty because you know what? You know what? Anybody could try to fix their own car, but if you're not a mechanic, the chances of you being successful, I mean, anybody, anybody could do anything but, but being a cleric being a thief, being uh, whatever, it's a specific skill set that's focusing on that one thing. Yeah. Now, I like the four core. I We ran, we briefly ran Castles and Crusades White Box. It was really fun. And we did that about, a, it's been over a year now, I think, since we've done that. And that has only the four core classes. And our campaign started off with just those four. The four core being the fighter, the magic user, the cleric, and the thief. I can say that I was really enjoying. Now, when we did this, we said, okay, we're doing test play for a month or two of each different game. We ran them through. So it was always planned to end. Man, I tell you, I really wanted to keep this going because the way that it was set up with those four core going through the way we were playing, taking more from some of the stuff people have said about OSR style playing. It was weaving together some really good stuff. We had a lot of villains and NPCs on left around on the edges that I could really build up some good stories with. And it was a very good, successful playthrough, I'd say. So we had fun there. So now people say that it's a that the OSR is a lot of things. I 
I uh, I heard someone say once it was open source rules is the way he sees it. And that's a big part of it, I think, is the community-driven aspect of the OSR is where the strength tends to lie. And for me, it's not about the old-style play. While people say, okay, we played like this, it's more about learning how people did play or do play currently and what changes they've made and how they've hacked it and how they've approached the game to have a fun, interesting game. And sometimes that's leads to revolutionary new mechanics and other elements as well. So it's in my mind, a lot of the OSR stuff and things that come out of there are brand new to me and cutting edge to me when it comes to gaming type stuff. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Cause I mean, a lot of it's like, how do you simply like, how do I, you know, simulate the style of play that I was doing when I was 14 years old? I can't. Yeah, I can't. You know, I have memory of how I thought we played. But, I mean, we could still kind of, uh, you know, the old-style role-playing, we could still know kind of how we did things, you know. Because uh, it's definitely, like you said, um, you know, the style was a little bit different. Styles are definitely, you know, it's, it's, it, is a, it is part of it is a style of play. Part of it is the different rule sets. And part of it is the openness of the rule sets, like you said, to be innovative and uh, create new things within that system because using those simpler systems because looking at all i because i've started getting a lot of the osr stuff i got the uh the old school essentials and stuff like that and i never really played yeah, that i was only always advanced um but then looking at these rule sets it kind of like sometimes i'm like oh it almost seems like it's too simple not that it's simple <laughs> yeah. not that it's simple but it's it's too uh, i don't know because it's like I only have how many hit points or, you know, it's, it seems too, I don't know. I, I, I can't think of the word at the top of my head, right? I don't want to say it's simpler or stream down. Maybe yeah, it's, it's, it's almost too simple for me. It's just like, Oh yeah, you have a couple things and it's like, well, look, you farted and you died. And you know, it's, it, <laughs> you know, but then again, you know, first edition, we weren't superheroes in first edition either, you know, comparatively, um, you know, but not like, again, some of these older systems, like, Oh my God, like even with third edition, when we played it, we had some guy totally min-max uh, the system, played some kind of hob hobgoblin uh, archer, and unfortunately, my DM allowed it, and he regretted it afterwards because <laughs> he was so over the top that we couldn't have an encounter without everybody being dead before they even got near us because he would just kill everything. He was, you know, and he had to make things so powerful that it would kill other people. So... Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, that's something we used to call power. I remember we used to call that power gaming back in the day. It's like, oh, he's a power gamer. And that's one thing I like about some of the older editions, like the BX, OSE and stuff, is it really doesn't have a place for that in the rule set. Oh, you can't. There's not, yeah, like, uh, okay, so you got an 18. Guess, guess you get a plus two, <laughs> you know? It's like, okay. Yeah, it's not that, yeah, you can't build and, and really manipulate the rules that much because they're not that in-depth. And I like that. And the other thing, too, is I bring in a lot of new players, and I found stuff like Swords and Wizardry and these BX, OD&D-based games that are simpler in rule sets to be far easier when it comes to introducing new players to the game. It's easier to roll up characters with new players when you use modern editions, third edition, Pathfinder, fifth edition, and stuff like that. It's a lot involved in character creation. Oh yeah, it's yeah. The, these systems are a lot more complex, and and then, and, and I it, you make a good point of that because I could see it now because I see I see so much stuff online where people are intimidated for trying D and D because it's it is kind of comp even though it is kind of complex compared to some of the older systems and I see so much stuff out there like videos and like how to make a character and how to get this and how to start and I'm like 
me personally, I'm like, I don't need all that crap. I know what I'm doing, but somebody who doesn't know, it may be intimidating because it is a little complex. But you're right, the older systems, which are a lot more streamlined, a lot more uh, simpler, are easier to get somebody right into the game and understanding it. Yeah. The one game I suggest the most if people are looking to get into it is Basic Fantasy RPG, Chris Goinerman's game. It's it's free online. If you want a print copy, it's literally selling at cost, so it's like five bucks for the whole entire game. It is streamlined, basic D&D almost, but like with ascending armor class and a few things like that, it's pretty approachable and pretty easy to learn compared to any modern edition or even classic AD&D or anything like that. It is one of the most approachable forms of D&D, and it's a good, solid game. I've run it a few times. I suggest that one to a lot of people. It's just easier to get into it. If you want to do more with it, you can. Yeah, and it also depends on what they want to get into, too. Because like we kind of talked about, you know, um, again, this is all personal opinion, people. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, like some of these more modern games, it's very much the characters, like are basically superheroes, you know, uh, in comparison to everybody else, you know. Because uh, I said, I see a lot of heavy influence from, like, video games and anime and, and movies. Like, the characters are, like, they're, like, they're, like, an 11 compared to, you know, some, you know, some other stuff. So it's very, but if you want that type of game, then sure. I mean, you, you want to go with that system, but then you get to the problem of, hey, it's kind of complex, taking an hour to make a character. You know, again, it all depends on, like, what do you want out of gaming? We When we rolled up our Rifts characters, and I've been doing simple systems for so long, and Palladium is not a simple system. I'll just Never played it. it. One of the most complex things is the character creation. It takes forever. When we rolled up our Rifts characters, we spent an entire evening and then the next session doing it. <laughs> and still not everyone was done. And that's the kind of thing you got to try to avoid with most games. I was like, this Rifts campaign, we were like, okay, we're going to do Rifts. If you want to join in on this, this is our chance to run this game. It's not for everybody. It's not the most approachable from a, from a new player's perspective or from someone who hasn't played it. If you don't know that system, it's hard to play around with or get into, and it's hard to make a character. And that's with a lot of games. I don't think it's any it's too much more difficult than a lot of the stuff with like Pathfinder, 5th edition, or 3rd edition. It's just people were used to that, so that's a little easier for them to roll up that character. Oh, yeah. A, a lot of the older systems did suffer from that. You know, not just Palladium. Uh, some overly complex rules, you know, or crunch, as, as they call it. You know, I know we've uh, that you've used that before. Yeah, that's a newer term I've been hearing recently in the last couple of years that I never heard Cr before. Crunchy. Just... Like, we, like, I always wanted to play... Um, do you, do you remember Twilight 2000? Yes, yes. There's a new version coming out by year, by uh, year Zero. Free League. Year free, zero league free, free, free League. I love Free League it. are gods, man. They do, they do, they, they do awesome work. Um, I love Free League. But we did, I, the original Twilight 2000, like, I think I made characters, but it was too, they tried to be uh, too much of a real life simulation for you know, my taste. Um, yes. And here's an old, an older game. I don't know if you know this one. Uh, there's a there's a post apocalyptic role playing game called uh, Aftermath by Fantasy I don't, Fantasy Games Unlimited. I don't remember that one. Yeah, that was not that was not around when I uh, if it was around. Oh my god, Fan, uh, Fantasy it. Games Unlimited was famous for. They also did Fantasy Games Unlimited. Also did Village and Vigilantes. They did. I remember they that. They did um, Space Opera, the game space, the system Space Opera, uh, Bushido. Yes. Um, they did a lot of good stuff, but their rule systems were s very complex. So again, I'm like 12 when I got this first <laughs> rule set and I'm like, I barely figured out how to make a character, you know, 
but I but I like the books and I liked reading them and I like them as a resource. But you know, some systems are just like you said, they're overly complex. Like and and I, again, I could see people trying to get into it. Like oof, like I that happened to me uh, back when I was young. I got these games and then I'm like, I, I can't figure this out. It's too complex for me. Now here's the thing too. Like I know for a fact that we played games wrong when we were younger. We were trying to learn them from those books. We we you know, and I remember one of my buddies like, "Hey man, I think we've been playing this wrong." I'm like hey, it works. <laughs> so like coming up with our own rules has always been a part of it. And being in the OSR scene and seeing all these things come out where people are putting out their own rules and how they approach things and how they do it, I love that aspect of things. So to me, one of the strongest things about the OSR is that community is creating and sharing what they're doing in, in their own creative endeavors and their own games that they've been playing. And we all just throw it out there into a big soup and see how they merge and see how it impacts the main, the bigger games and everything else. It's fascinating. I like that communal element of the game when it comes to that. Oh, like stuff. everybody sharing their homebrews and stuff. And and, he, and, he, and here's a topic for another show is speaking of rule systems is because I have so many people say that they play a game and they're like, oh, the rules don't matter or the system's not important or whatever, but it is very important because why would you pick that system if the rule system wasn't important? And, if, and the thing is, if you're, ha if you're homebrewing it and hacking the system so much that it doesn't resemble, then why are you using it in the first place? But that's like a topic for a whole nother show. <laughs> yeah, the system does, does have a, it does, I, yeah, it makes a difference. They can do, systems can do interesting, cool things with games. Uh, and I could definitely get into that topic for a while. I could think of a lot there to spin off with. So I'm going to, we're getting to be about time. I'm going to ask you one more time real quick before we leave. What is the OSR? Oh, uh, it's, again, it's a hard, it's a hard answer. It's to me, it's a little bit of everything. It's part of it's a community. Part of it is uh, a mindset of how you play and also using a, 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 an older rule set. I don't think it's I don't think it's any one thing. I think I don't know if I have 100% nailed down an answer to that. I think that you're right. There is the community element, especially with people putting their own stuff out there and the DIY and all the independent publications. I think that's one of the coolest things to me. Looking at and deconstructing these older ways of play, kind of going back to the initial beginning of the game and reassessing that and seeing oh well we can do innovative things with this if you go back to the roots i think those are important things for the osr for me can i say anything is the official definition i think that's the consensus is that no one really has nailed down the official definition and, and i don't think there is an official it's just i think it's just it's a name and it i mean it's such a cop out to say this but it's kind of what you make of it well that's about all we have time for today Apocalypse Nerd, could you when we're signing out, could you give our listeners a indication of where we can find you online, where we can find your podcast and everything? Sure. Uh, you know, you could find me at it's podcast at ground zero.com. Podcast at ground zero.com. Uh, you know, I don't post a whole lot to the blog. I post when we record new shows. Uh, you know, we also have a Facebook presence, and you can find all you can find all that from the main hub at podcast at ground zero.com. And again, we talk about the post-apocalyptic genre. We talk about movies, books, video games, uh, role-playing games, and we also do broad topics of 
of content as, as well. Like we'll discuss, you know, like top favorite movies or, you know, transportation in the apocalypse. Just to give you for example, we have a, we have about 90 shows posted. We've been doing it for quite a few years. Uh, I don't get it out as often as I'd like to, uh, but we're still chugging along, getting stuff out there. And as always, you can find us at wobbliesandwizards.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards and keep those dice rolling. Thank you for having me.